Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Those of you here in the room, those of you joining us online, we are glad that you're with us on this uh, sixth day of March, this first Sunday in Lent. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, we believe that the Lord is with us and uh, that he meets us right where we are. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin today. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us here uh, in the middle of our morning, in the middle of our mess. God, you alone know what each of us carry into this time, into this place, uh, the worries, the concerns, the joys, everything, God. And so today we bring it all to you, trusting in your love, trusting in your ability to, to transform our hearts and lives, to change the ways we think, to give us a new perspective on our lives and on the people around us. Uh, God, we depend on you for this. And we thank you that we have this time where we can uh, gather all of life and present it to you, where we can bring all that we are and, um, I don't know, put it before the, the light of your truth, the light of your love, so that we can see more clearly. Thank you, God, for all of your good gifts. Thank you for the opportunity to, to sing to you and to pray to you, to, uh, to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures the chance to gather at the table of our Lord Jesus. We are grateful for all your blessings. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're here in the room, if you're interested, if you're able, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Oh, Lord. 
Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here.
Come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me and rescue me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me and set me free. Be my rock of safety where I can always hide. Give the order to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. 
my God, rescue me from the power of the wicked, from the clutches of cruel oppressors. O oh Lord, you alone are my hope. Pray with me, will you? Lord, we do thank you for being in this place today, for inviting us in and welcoming us to, into your presence. Father, we thank you for each person who is gathered here, for all of the things that they brought with them, the good, the bad, and maybe even the ugly, Lord. We lay them at your feet this morning. Lord, the burdens that we've carried, the praises that we bring with us, the blessings that you've bestowed, Lord, and the situations that need your intervention. You are in all and through all, and we trust you. We thank you and we praise you for each one. Father, we do lift up our brothers and sisters in Ukraine this morning who have already gathered in your name, in shelters and in, in places that we would never imagine. And yet you are there and you have been there. You were there before they got there and you will be there when they leave. Father, we thank you. And we pray for your movement in that, that area of our world and in Europe and Ukraine. Lord, you alone are mighty to save. You alone are mighty to save. Father, be with us in the rest of the service. Be with us in this first Sunday of Lent as we look to you and we look towards um, Easter and what the resurrection of, of your son meant for us because it meant eternal life. But until we get there, Lord, remind us Remind us of your sacrifice. Remind us of your suffering so that we in turn can know you more intimately. We can, we can connect with you on a level that we've never connected before. We ask that you would be with the rest of this service, with the people that are here right now, the people who are watching along with us, the folks who will see this later, Lord. We just pray your richest blessings, your greatest abundance on each and every one. And for all of these things, Lord, we pray in your precious holy name. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you. Well, we're going to do something that's going to feel a little new, but actually something we've been, we did before I got here, and that is go ahead and say hi to folks. I don't know if you noticed, we've made some changes in here. We've put, taken out some chairs and put in tables. So if you feel comfortable, go ahead and get up and mingle a little. Maybe fist bump instead of hugging. That's up to you. And we'll give you a couple of minutes and give Pastor Rich a chance to come up.
All right. Back in the day when we did this all the time, you guys would, you guys would take two or three minutes and, and greet each other. We're, we're trying to ease back into this, okay? Well, I know for some of you, uh, I was talking with some folks this week saying like, hey, do you think we can go back to, to greeting each other? Are we all right to do that again? You know, the, the CDC quit recommending that you have to wear masks indoors, and uh, the governor this last week ended, like, the health emergency thing that we had going on here in the state. And, and so uh, uh, we thought, well, should we do this? And I know at least a couple folks that I bounced it off of were like, you know, some folks are super excited to have the chance to see each other, to go say hi. It's like, oh, you walked in after I got here. I didn't know you are here. It's so good to see you. Hope we get a chance to talk later. Others of you, <laughs> you're like... Oh, please, God, no. I, you know, you're, you're introverts. You, know, you don't really want to have people walking up to you and saying hi to you and you know, all that kind of stuff. So my apologies to those of you who fall into that category. Uh, you're, you're, you'll learn some coping skills, all right? Don't worry. You will, you will learn, like, oh, now's the time I slip off to the bathroom. Or, oh, if I go get coffee, then no one's going to get too close to me if, I, if I'm in line to get coffee or, or whatever it might be. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, it's something that had been a part of our church for, I don't know, almost all of our 21 years until COVID said we got to keep our distance a little bit more. So uh, we're, we're kind of easing back into things. Uh, we're trying anyway. So uh, feel free, any of you, whether you're joining us online or in the room, you can pull out your phone. You can go to livinghope.info slash connect. Fill out one of those little digital connect cards. Let us know you're with us and how we can pray for you or thank God with you. You can go online and give. Uh, if, in, if you're in the room, then back by the door, there's a little box. You can drop uh, offerings in there if you'd like to. And there's some little green cards there that you can jot your contact info on and uh, how we can pray for you or thank God with you or just have comments or feedback. Maybe you're someone that says, I hated that. Don't ever make me shake hands again. I don't know. Give me whatever feedback you want. You can jot it on those cards and drop it in the box, and then that way we can follow up with you. I'd love to connect with you. But uh, speaking of giving and, uh, and Ukraine, you can still give to help uh, the people of Ukraine and Nazarene Compassionate Ministries as they funnel resources right to the Nazarene churches that are present there in Ukraine and in the surrounding countries. Uh, Many of you guys, if you've watched the news, you know there's, uh, there are a whole lot of displaced people that are looking for safety, and so some of those resources are going to that to help people with transportation or help them find safe places. So you can go to ncm.org slash Ukraine. Uh, NCM stands for Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, and they are people doing the work right there. They're already there. This is, these are their neighbors. These are their, these are their communities. And so if you want to help funnel some resources to the folks who are doing good and reaching out to help folks right there, you can do that. Um, another way you can give, if you'd like, this week is Family Promise Week. We've got uh, a chance to uh, shelter some folks uh, right here this week, starting tonight, going all the way through Saturday night. They'll be here overnight, and we've got most of the nights covered as far as someone to stay overnight and, and, uh, and bring in dinners. I think we've got uh, Monday, Friday, and Saturday dinners still available. If you wanted to show up around 5.30 with food, ready to serve it, and stick around for an hour or so to, to eat with the folks that that are here uh, receiving shelter, just let me know afterwards and we'll, we'll get you on the calendar. And, and uh, oh, I think, do I have a picture in there of the, you guys who are in the room, you got to walk in and see this, but the folks online have no idea that you guys collected 11 big old totes full of bras for Free the Girls. So I just wanted to congratulate you, thank you for not being shy about going to your friends and saying, hey, I want your bra uh, or whatever. Um, and because these, these bras then become inventory for the women who are escaping sex slavery in other countries uh, so that they can sell those instead of selling themselves. They have a product they can sell and, uh, to provide for themselves, their families. So if you want to learn more about them, you can go to freethegirls.org and, uh, and find out more. So 
Thank you guys. We do this every year in February. We collect them all year round. So if you want to, to bring more in at some point, feel free. Just drop them in the entryway if we're not, if nobody's here. And, uh, you know, when we walk in, we find a bag of bras. We're not going to wonder, like, what's this for? We'll know. All right? We'll know. This is for Free the Girls. And, uh, and we'll make sure uh, that we get it, get it where it needs to go. All right. Um, Hopefully most of you grabbed one of these books uh, in the last couple of weeks because this last Wednesday began this season of Lent, this 40-day journey uh, toward uh, the cross and toward the resurrection, toward celebration of Easter, which is April 17th, I think, this year. And uh, so this book is just called These 40 Days, and it's uh, a guide to these 40 days together, plus the Sundays. Sundays are not uh, fast days during Lent. If you've given something up for Lent, Sunday is kind of your break. Because Sundays are days of celebration. Sundays are like little Easter's and little resurrections. And um, what we're going to do now through for the next several weeks is on Sundays, uh, we're going to be walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And each day this week, you're going to go through a different little section of the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus is teaching us what it means to be his people. He's, uh, we're coming to him. Last week we talked about how Jesus went, you know, he passed the test there in the wilderness, those 40 days. It's kind of a recovery of the failure of the people of Israel in their 40 years in the wilderness. And they failed the test. Now Jesus comes, passes the test, and, uh, and is able to lead all of Israel and all of humanity into this victory. And so he, he teaches us how to live a life that, uh, that depends on God, that, that humbly acknowledges um, our need of him, that doesn't just put our trust in ourselves, but listens to him to see how we ought to live this life. And uh, I came across something, I, just coincidentally, this week, past week, somebody published something really funny on the internet about Jesus as a teacher. I don't, did any of you guys see these uh, selected negative teaching evaluations of Jesus Christ as they made their way on the internet? Um, students, you know, there are websites now where students can submit evaluations of their professors and their teachers and like, give feedback, which is probably a really helpful thing. They didn't have that kind of stuff back when I was in school. Uh, but someone collected some uh, some some evaluations from those Jesus was teaching in those days, or, you know, humorously, if, if they were. Uh, like one student, for example, said, very inconvenient class, always holds lectures on top of mountains in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, but never close to the main campus. Um, somebody said, by week one, I was already tired of his anti-rich pro-Samaritan BS. I wanted to take a course in Christianity, not liberalism. Somebody says, wear sandals too much. No one wants to see your dusty feet. Um, kind of absent-minded. My name's Simon. He's been calling me Peter for the whole semester. Tells too many stories. Easy to get him off track during lectures. And uh, my favorite, he said, I asked him to sign my accommodations form from the disability services office, and he spit on the ground, rubbed the dirt in my eyes. I can see now, but it was still rude. <laughs> well, anyway, so selected negative teacher evaluations of Jesus. This is Jesus as teacher is what we're kind of, that's the journey that we're on for these next 40 days. Listening to him as he teaches his disciples. We, we read in Matthew chapter 5, uh, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. This is a, the posture of a teacher in those days. They would sit, the disciples, their, their, their learners, their apprentices would, would gather around. And sure enough, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Uh, before we dive in, um, Jesus has much to teach us, <laughs> Okay. And I know I, for one, still have a lot to learn from him. Uh, it doesn't matter how many years you've been following him, how many, if you've gone to school for this or, you know, whatever. Uh, Jesus always has new things to teach us. It's why I hope you'll grab one of these books and take your time each day to listen to what Jesus has to say, to reflect on what he might be saying to you today. 
because we still have much to learn. We, we live every day in a society that tells us this is how the world is. This is who you are. This is where you fit into things. This is where God is or isn't or fits into this picture. Gives us a way of viewing the world. And if we're not careful, we can just kind of embrace that and adopt that and just view everything the way everyone else around us does. It's, it's natural. That's how it works. You know, the, the shows you watch, the things you read, the people you surround yourself with, they, they shape our imaginations, they shape our worldviews, and Jesus comes and says, I, I want you to listen to me. I've got a different perspective on things than perhaps anyone else has been giving you. And so we're invited to listen to him, to let him teach us. We don't, we don't go to class to a teacher just to hear them tell you all the stuff you already know. That's the most boring class in the world when they're just telling you stuff and you already know all of it. The exciting kind of class is the one where, man, this is new stuff. Man, I hadn't looked at it this way before. This is something I'm, I'm learning. My previous conceptions are being challenged. I'm having to think in a new way. And this is what we're invited to. And so Jesus starts out rather unusually as he begins to teach. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm an interesting start to the lecture, uh, to the lesson, to what Jesus wants to say. He proclaims blessing on people. He proclaims that there are certain people in this world who are blessed, and they're not the people we would normally think of as blessed, right? I mean, if you go search hashtag blessed on the internet, you're, you're not going to find pictures of people mourning and crying and, you know, the things that he listed. You're going to find people with, like, you know, all kinds of cash and all kinds of nice things, and the people who are kind of on top of life are the people we usually think of as blessed, the people who, the, you know, the billionaires, the people who have made it in this world, the people who uh, live lives of luxury and can afford to, like, start a whole company to build a rocket ship so you can go, you know, shoot yourself into space or whatever, right? These are the people we think of as, like, man, they've got it made. Man, they're at the top of their game. These are the people who are, who are blessed. If God is blessing anyone, it must be them. And Jesus comes and says, eh, I got a different perspective on this, a very different perspective. That word blessed is a little unusual. There's some translations go ahead and just translate it happy. I included one there in your notes uh, from that first one that he says. He says, happy are people who are hopeless. That's how they translated poor in spirit. These people without hope, who are, <laughs> who've run out of spiritual resources. You know, Happy are people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And when you hear it that way, really, uh, the contrast really kind of gets cranked up. You know, it's like, wait, hopeless people aren't happy? What do you mean they're, they're happy? What do you mean they're blessed? What are you talking about, Jesus? Now, some of these describe just like people's condition, right? This isn't like something you, you seek or you try to do or try to become. It's just the condition people are in. You know, people who are mourning, people who are spiritually poor, 
people who are meek, who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, or as we heard a couple of weeks ago when uh, Pastor Greg Arthur was here from, uh, from Dunland Community Church and Free the Girls, that word righteousness, you might remember, could also be translated justice. So we might think of people who are hungry for justice, who've, been, who've not been getting the justice that they deserve and they're crying out for it. Jesus says, if you're hungry, thirsty for righteousness, for justice, you're blessed because you will be filled. You will get the justice you've been seeking. So some of them just have to do with the circumstances people find themselves in, and others have to do more with like the behaviors that we might adopt in the world, right? The, uh, the pure in heart. You know, that's, that's the kind of thing that we have something to do with, right? Jesus is very clear that you know, we, we can impact what goes on in our hearts by, the, by the, where, we, where we put our attention and where we, where we place our affections and our allegiances, the kinds of things that we bring into our minds that they impact our hearts. So blessed are those whose hearts have been purified by God's Holy Spirit, those who, who keep their hearts clean, because they will see God. The, the peacemakers, those who go into difficult circumstances to make peace, not to sweep things under the rug and just kind of keep the peace, and, oh, we don't talk about that. You know, we don't talk about Bruno or whatever. You know, not, these are people who go into difficult circumstances to bring peace. They will be called children of God. They're the ones who are acting like their Heavenly Father. So some of these are things that we can say, like, you know what, I, I need to be that kind of person. That's the kind of person God blesses. Others... It's like Jesus looks around at people who no one else has thought of as blessed and, and sees people whose faces are just, you know, they came and picked their faces up. They're just, you know, looking down. They're downcast, you know. And he, and he, and he lifts their chins. He lifts them up and says, look, you, you are blessed by your heavenly father. God sees you and is blessing you. Now that... On the one hand, in my mind, I kind of think, oh, man, that's kind of cruel, Jesus, isn't it? To, to look at somebody who's in the middle of a bad situation and say, you're happy. You're blessed. Good for you. Um, but it would be, and it would be cruel if, if Jesus weren't kind of bringing about something new. If Jesus weren't actively showing up on the scene, changing people's circumstances. You might remember in the, in the chapter before this, in Matthew chapter 4, um, after Jesus has passed that test in the wilderness... He begins to travel around. He begins to, to heal, to, to do good. And he begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of heaven, the rule of God, the reign of God. Up until now, it has looked like you know, Rome has been in charge. Up until now, it looks like it's looked like people with power, people with wealth, people with you know, prestige. They are the ones who are in charge, who are reigning, who are ruling. Or for some, it might just feel like evil has been in charge, right? And he comes saying, look, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The rule of God is breaking in. It's, it's almost here. It's right around the corner. And in light of that, then we hear him saying, like, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He says there's, there's comfort coming. You're mourning now, but comfort is on its way. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And most of these say that they, they will, this will happen, this is coming. And it's kind of implied in the, in the first and the last one where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom of heaven that is on its way, that is coming now, belongs to you who recognize that you don't have what you need and you're reaching out for help to the God who loves you, to the God who is showing up. Reminds me how Jesus says on more than one occasion, he says, look, I... Uh, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've, I've come to call, not righteous people, but sinners to repentance. I've come for people who know they need my help, 
who are reaching out, who know, look, something is broken in me, God, and I need you to heal it. Those are the folks that God says yes to. There's another occasion where Jesus described, they might have been hypothetical, or maybe he had just seen this happen, I don't know. Two people who went to the temple to pray, a, a Pharisee and a tax collector, and the Pharisee stands and says, thank you, God, that I'm basically so awesome. You know, I do all the good stuff, and I don't do any of the bad stuff, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. Thanks, God, for making me so great. Um, and the tax collector, Jesus says, like, kind of keeps his distance, won't even look up to heaven, just beats his chest and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, that's the guy whose prayer God heard and answered. He's the one who went home justified before God. Not the guy who was so full of himself, thought he was all that, but the guy who knew that he wasn't and needed God's help. That's the one that God said, ah, yes, I can help you. Can't help that guy. He doesn't think he needs any help, but I can help you. I can bless you because you have a need our circumstances, what, he, what Jesus is saying, he's looking at people whose circumstances make it seem like they have just, they have been pushed down, cast aside, stepped on, and he says, look, your situation, it doesn't look good now, but it can be an opportunity for God to do something good in your life. And that's when I think about like the, one of those perspective shifts that Jesus is trying to help us to have. That, that's one that for me, I'm, I'm trying to grab a hold of out of this this week, is that when I go through difficulty, when I go through a, an awful time, um, yes, I'm going to be crying out. There's going to be frustration. I'm going to be, you know, crying out to God. But this is an opportunity now for God to do something, for God to show up. Uh, it reminds me of a story in John chapter 9. Well, we just read that teacher evaluation, you know, from the guy who, you know, he spits and puts the dirt on his face and all. There's a story in John chapter 9 about that. And it starts with Jesus and the disciples meeting this man born blind. And asking, like, so, the disciples are asking Jesus, who sinned that he's born blind? Was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? Who's responsible for this man's circumstances? And Jesus says, that's, that's not important. It's not a, he didn't sin. His parents didn't sin. But this is an opportunity for the work of God to be displayed in his life. He says, don't, don't waste your time looking for reasons. Just look that right now, this is an opportunity for God to be at work. And I, I feel like I'm hearing that kind of echoed in what Jesus says here. So those of you who, who have been pushed down, who have run out of spiritual resources, who are mourning, who are meek, who are hungry for righteousness and justice, who are persecuted for doing the right thing, says you are blessed because something is coming that is going to change your circumstances. God will comfort you in your mourning. God will provide for you what you've been lacking. God is blessing you, and you are going to be able to walk into this kingdom of heaven, this rule of God, because the way in isn't by accomplishment, isn't by having, you know, it's not like some video game where you finally pass all the challenges and then, you know, meet the big boss and defeat him, and then you get in. You know, it's not, it's not that. This is just, the way into the kingdom of heaven is to acknowledge, I need you. <laughs> I need your help, God. And then God says, Fantastic. Let me forgive your sins. Let me heal what's broken. Let me renew what's, what's been worn down. Let me restore. When we answer his call to repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near, when we turn from sin and turn toward him. And that's what the season of Lent is an opportunity for us to do, to reflect, to, to make room in our lives to hear Jesus speaking to us. Um, because I said Jesus has a lot to teach us. Uh, 
Some of the most mature Christians that I know are the ones who are also continually open to, to God saying something else that needs to change in their lives. God, God pointing out something else, some attitude, some behavior, some whatever it might be, and saying, hey, here's an opportunity for growth. You can keep growing. I, I don't, yeah, there are plenty of us that kind of get stagnant and just kind of coast and quit growing. But the, the people I look up to the most, those are the folks who, who have this continual openness to God, continuing to teach them something new continuing to point something out. People who are, who are totally open to a, a season like Lent, a season of reflection, a season of listening. And that's why we maybe give something up or fast from something is, is to create that little moment. It's, it's kind of like when you put your phone on, on mute, you know, because it's, a, it's to kind of move some distractions off to the side for a little bit so you can hear Jesus who's trying to teach. Stacy gets pretty frustrated with me whenever we're out somewhere, like, say, at a restaurant. We're supposed to be enjoying a nice dinner or something, and if I'm pulling out my phone for something, usually it happens in conversation, right? She mentions something, I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's, you know, and I'm looking something up, you know? But I pull my phone out of my pocket to look that up, and, oh, look, there's somebody who's texted me. Oh, look, there's a Facebook notification. Or, oh, look, there's something. And, you know, I get, I get sucked down into the wormhole, and, and Stacy's like, hello? Hello? Put your phone away? You know, like, mm, oh, sorry, yeah. And so Lent can be a season for, like, recognizing our tendency to be easily distracted and, and not paying attention to the Savior who wants to meet with us, wants to teach us, wants to lead us, the one who loves us more than a spouse could ever love us, who would love to, to, to speak with us and to have us listen. We have an opportunity to, to kind of quiet some of the other things for a period and to listen more closely to what Jesus might want to say. And it might be that he points something out that we need to repent of, it might be that he points out some way that our worldview has been shaped by other forces and he's calling us to, to view things in a different light. He's calling us to see things the way he sees them so that we can live life the way he lived it, live lives of love. So we can see people around us who we might have thought of as you know, worthless or rejected or not important and see that, no, these are the people that God is actively blessing, that God is working to bless that God is bringing his kingdom so that their circumstances can be changed. Now, I know there's a tendency. There, there are all sorts of different ways to read these, this section of Scripture. We call it the Beatitudes, usually based on some, I think, Latin word for blessing. But um, um, there's all sorts of different ways to look at it. We're, um, this, this book is going to take, this week, you're going to spend time on each of these little phrases. You know, what's it mean to be blessed as poor in spirit for those of the kingdom of heaven? Tomorrow, it's just going to spend time with that verse. The next day, spend time with blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. And there's kind of a devotional way to read these and to reflect and to think about my life and, and how I can enter into this. Uh, I, I didn't want to just repeat what, what you're going to be reading all week. And so I kind of wanted to, the, the side of this that I was focusing in on is, um, I, it feels less spiritual, I think, um, you know, like we hear, blessed are the poor in spirit, and we think, oh, okay, this isn't talking about, like, actual poverty. This is talking about, like, spiritual poverty. You know, he's not saying blessed are poor people. He's saying blessed are those who, who are, like, know that they need God, right? And I think that's true. But that's why it's good to, like, not just read Matthew's take on things, but also read Mark and Luke and John. We got four Gospels, and the church over the years kept all four of these accounts on purpose. That was, that was one of the, uh, the negative evaluations I, I didn't read. They were, they were saying, you got to pay attention to his TAs because they're always giving conflicting notes and, and uh, that kind of thing. But if you look at Luke's Gospel in chapter 6, I put this in your notes. This is, uh, maybe this is the same occasion, and this is Luke's take on it, or maybe this is another moment 
where Jesus is teaching people. I have, I have the feeling it's another moment um, because of what leads up to it. But in Luke chapter 6, he records Jesus uh, looking at his disciples and saying, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Again, there's the, here are your present circumstances. Right now, you're hungry, you're weeping, you're poor. But there's a time coming where things are going to change, where God's going to make things right. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. Hmm. Oh, there's a flip side in Luke. It's not just blessings. There's a, there, there are warnings involved. He has a warning. Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. So to, to reach back, just a moment, Jesus is pointing back, both in, in Matthew and in Luke, to the prophets of old when God would send a message to his people, when they were going through circumstances, and he would send a prophet to try to shape their world, to try to help them see what they were going through from God's perspective. There were, there were prophets who were accurately doing that, and then there were other prophets who were just trying to tell people what they wanted to hear. And so everyone spoke well of them, especially the rich, the powerful, the, the well-fed, the laughing, those who in the circumstances of difficulty were escaping difficulty, and letting other people suffer while they themselves didn't do anything to help. And the false prophets would say to them, like, oh, you're good, you're blessed, that's why you're, that's why you're not suffering like the, the other folks. And Jesus says, no, no, that's not a good thing when everyone's just speaking well of you. But instead, if you are being rejected and, and what does he say? Rejected, excluded, insulted because of me, because you're being true to me. So that's how they treated the prophets. He said, God's people had a tendency not to listen to the people they needed to listen to in the past. So if that's happening to you today, well, you might be on the right track, is what he's saying. Now, I do want to pause for just a moment. I'm just going to go back to Matthew for a second. Um, well, both of them say basically the same thing at the end. And, and say, we uh, Christians here in America, we tend to like that last one maybe a little too much. And we think that when, our, when the culture says like negative things about Christians or, or maybe about us, when, when there are people at work that like, you know, push you aside or laugh at you or whatever, say things about Christians or, or about churches, and, and we think, well, yep, as Jesus said, we'd be persecuted for doing the right thing. Well, let's make sure that it's happening because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus. Um, let's make sure that being persecuted because of righteousness or like in, in verse 11 of Matthew, uh, he said, Bless you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of times we Christians in America, we're, we're getting pushback from people. It's not because we're doing the right thing. It's because we're like being jerks. You know, <laughs> um, We're like asserting 
our power. We don't like that, like, that culture is changing and Christians no longer have this privileged position we used to have in the past where, like, you know, you go to school and the teachers are using the Bible to teach kids how to read and all that. You know, there were, there were lots of ways where kind of culture just kind of supported Christian practice and Christian faith. And, and as those supports have been pulled away, it has often felt like persecution to us Christians here in America. We've got, we've got Christian brothers and sisters in other countries who could kind of point out that, no, that's, that's not persecution, that's not suffering, that's just, you know, people aren't holding you up anymore, you know. That's just you're having to actually live the Christian life without the support of all the non-Christians around you. Let's make sure that if we're going through difficulty, it's because we're doing the right thing, not because we're doing the wrong thing. Let's make sure that, that we're being as respectful as we possibly can be. Let's make sure that we are speaking the truth in love. Let's make sure that just like Jesus, we are full of grace and truth. And then if people still reject or still push back in, in harsh ways, okay, we know we've done the right thing. Let's make sure that we're not getting pushed away because, you know, we're just being jerks. So when we, when we read this about Jesus proclaiming blessings on some folks and, and warnings to others, um, it's very clear. He's saying, look, a time is coming where things, things are going to be switched. Things are going to be flipped on their heads. And, and it's not just that, like, uh, Jesus doesn't like people who are rich, and so he's going to take all their stuff away. Or Jesus doesn't like people who are laughing, so he's going to make them cry later. You know, no, I, I think what Jesus is saying is given the present circumstances, given a world in which there are people who are hungry, where people are dying for lack of clean water, given a world in which there's so much suffering, if you're just sitting back and like, ha I got mine, you know, it stinks to be you, and I'm going to keep mine for me. He says, that's not a good thing. <laughs> he says, then, then, yeah, one day when, when I make things right for them, you're going to get yours too. And it's not going to be good. Which is why numerous times if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus tells stories about people who are generous, who do get their heads on straight. There are many examples in Scripture of, of people who are doing well and sharing it with others, who are remembering the poor, who are making sure that they are generous and not just keeping for themselves. And those folks, Jesus describes as blessed, as participating with the work that God is doing in the world. It's kind of like, uh, to go back to the, the story that, that Pastor Greg uh, shared a, a couple of weeks ago uh, about the, the year of Jubilee and, and the economy that God had set up for his people that they sadly don't think they ever followed, but where they had these reminders of like debts will be forgiven and land will go back to its original owners and every 50 years this was, there was, it was supposed to be like a reset button that was pushed. And if you have that perspective, then you don't cling to your stuff as much because you know, okay, I've just got this for the next few years and then I'm giving it back. And so I'm going to treat it well and I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to just assume this is mine and it, it changes the way you look at the people around you. If we know that God's kingdom is coming, if we know that God is going to make things right, if we know that at any moment Christ could return, then it, it changes the way we live in the world. It changes the way we view the people around us. We begin to look for opportunities to, to participate in the work that God is doing, to be a part of this renewal and this restoration that is happening. Instead of pushing against it, we look for ways to, if we've been blessed, to turn around and bless others. This, um, the circumstances we go through today can be opportunities for growth, opportunities to share in God's work. I, I'm reminded of, of last week as we were looking at Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
and this, uh, this 40-year journey through the wilderness that the people of Israel had, I just included some little excerpts in your notes. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. He said, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. He did this to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. I want, I want it to go well with me in the end, right? I don't want to just enjoy the middle and then in the end have it go, you know. I want it to go well for all of us. I want us to be a part of God's good work in the world. And as we, as we follow Jesus through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, as we follow him through these 40 days, where he's going to end up, some of you might remember how Matthew chapter 7 ends. As he's, as he's drawing things to a close, he starts to talk about the end and the time that's coming and what that might look like. He reminds people, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. He reminds them, look, you're on a path, and you're either on a path headed to destruction or you're on a path leading to life. Choose the path that leads to life. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So it's not enough to like show up and sing the right songs or pray the right prayers or say the right things with your mouth. Say, yeah, yeah, Jesus is my Lord. You've got to actually live as someone who listens to their Lord, who listens to their teacher, who listens to Jesus and does what God calls us to do. And the last thing he says, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is, again, saying, we've got a choice we get to make. Are we going to build our lives listening to him and doing what he says, trusting him, obeying him? He says the storms, storms are coming. You know, judgment is coming. Storms will come. And if we have trusted in him, if we have built our life on obedience to what Jesus says, then we have a, a sure foundation. And in the end, it will go well with us. But on the other hand, if we just hear what he has to say and say, oh, that's nice. But then we continue to live as if the, the truly blessed are those who amass more for themselves. The truly blessed are those who avoid responsibility for others. The truly blessed are those who find their way, claw their way to the top of the heap in life. And in the end, it won't go so well. That all comes tumbling down. So my prayer for you and my prayer for me is that over these 40 days that we will listen to Jesus, that we will let him shape our perspective on the world and on the people around us and even on our own circumstances, that we can see them as, a, as an opportunity for God to be at work in our lives, for God to bring something good, for God to bless us, and through us then to bless others. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, you know that just present here in this room, let alone the folks who will be watching this later, we've got kind of every circumstance in life represented. We've got folks who today, you know, are laughing and well-fed and doing well, and we've got folks who are mourning and grieving and hungry. So God, I'm sure that this message from you kind of hits us in different ways. God, I pray that for all of us, you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. That we would know ourselves as people loved by you, valuable to you. 
and that we would see the people around us in the same way. God, those of us who are doing well today, I pray you'd help us to to heed your warning. (laughs) To not just think of ourselves as blessed, but to look for opportunities to be a part of your blessing others. To make sure that we are viewing our stuff and our circumstances and our lives in the light of your kingdom that is coming. That we can see ourselves as situated under your rule and your reign. That we are open to you guiding us, teaching us, showing us something new. God, for those who are gathered here who, who find themselves on the, on the underside of life today, who are very aware of their need, God, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would restore, renew their hope and their strength, that as they reach out to you, that they would find that you are, in fact, the, the one who can heal what is broken. You are the one who can provide what we need. And God, just like always, when you answer prayers, and you, 99% of the time you answer your prayers through your people. So God, would you help us to see the ways that we can be a part of answering the prayers of meeting the needs of those gathered here, of those in our community. Thank you, God, for the opportunities you give us to do that. Help us to never tire of partnering with you, of letting your Holy Spirit shape our lives and lead us to opportunities to love and bless our neighbors. Thank you, God, for the love you have shown us in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity we have today to celebrate this love through the sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. This Jesus whom you sent to turn things upside down, or right side up, I suppose. We remember, Lord Jesus, that as you gathered with your disciples, you took bread and broke it and gave it to them, and you said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You took the cup and you blessed it and gave it to them and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. Once again, you reminded us that it's not about what we can accomplish or what we can do, but it's that instead we are just invited to share in your victory, Lord Jesus, as you took on the powers of sin and death and hell and defeated them by your death and resurrection. Today we offer you ourselves. We give you thanks that today we can confess our sins to you, those things we have done, those things we have left undone. God, we can admit to you our need of your grace and mercy, and we can receive them. We can experience your forgiveness. We can experience your grace. We can receive your mercy. Help us, God, to to hold on to that forgiveness. Help us, God, to be transformed by your grace and your love for us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might live in this world as a people full of your love, full of your grace. People led by our teacher, our Lord, our Savior. Thank you, God, 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The musicians are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and return to your seats. This is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. We're hungry for his grace. We're grateful for his love. Uh, We've got the regular bread and the gluten-free wafers, and and we've got some of those little cups that you can take back to your seat and open and, and, and get to the bread and juice there. Or... If you don't feel comfortable joining the procession, we've got those on the table, and uh, you can celebrate there at your seat as well. Let's give him thanks, and let's celebrate the love God has shown us in Jesus Christ.
transforming work that you do in us as we trust in you, as you change our hearts and minds, as you change our lives. Fill us with the spirit of Christ today, we pray, so that our lives might look different, so that there might be a a contrast between the ways we view folks and, and the ways others view people, the ways that we live, these lives of love and grace, kindness, respect, patience, the ways that we live and perhaps the ways that some other folks live around us. God, it's only by your grace at work within us that we can see these changes take place. It's only by your grace that that your blessings can flow through us to bless the people around us. So we thank you. Thank you for the amazing grace you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.